0: Raising the Bets is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to Raising the Bets, where a Catholic couple raising five kids outside of Boston. Join us as we share the joys and challenges of marriage, homeschool, and our adventures near and far as we make sense of the world and experience the best parts of our culture. I'm Don Bettinelli. And I'm Melanie Bettinelli. So Melanie, this week, I put something fun on our, our StarQuest Instagram account, at, uh-huh. at StarQuest Network. So if you're on Instagram, yes, go check it out. Yeah. And it's, there's a new meme out there, a new little viral video thingy is from a new movie starring Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal where Nicolas Cage is playing a version of himself and Pedro Pascal is this guy who I don't I don't know what the the whole story is but in this one scene they take drugs and then go for a drive and so in the scene you have like Nick Cage kind of has this like baffled weird look on his face and in he, and he, in the this little short video clip he turns and looks at Pedro Pascal, who's driving, and when you see uh, P- Pedro, his character, he's got this stupid grin on his face. <laughs> it's really funny. It is hysterical. And so people have said it to Mama Cass singing the song, and then it, it it it's always like so what I put was um the Mysterious World creative process, and it says Jimmy under the the Nick Cage baffled, you know, serious face jimmy aiken writing carefully researching and writing mysterious world scripts and then the pedro pascal stupid grin is uh dom inserting silly jokes and puns right before recording (laughs) make your own kind of music Uh uh-huh sing your own special song been going through my head all weekend
1: he's been not just going through your head you've been singing it and getting it in (laughs) everyone else's head all weekend even if nobody
0: else sings along Uh (laughs) uh-huh special treat for you listeners now you've got it in your head okay Tom so uh (laughs) let's talk what else we've been doing so uh, Saturday was kind of a free day. We didn't have scout things. I didn't have recordings to do. So it was a nice free day. And so I had, I, I planned a couple of fun things, a couple, I don't know how fun they were, but some <laughs> things. And the first thing was family tech day. I'm going to talk about this a lot more in an upcoming Secrets of Technology podcast. But the idea is I'm the tech person for the family. Yes, sure. And everybody in our family has some tech. Everybody's, you know. Most of everyone has a Kindle. Um, Some of the kids have old iPhones that they use to sort of mini iPads. They don't have phone service on them, but it's so they can listen to audiobooks and that sort of thing. So if he's got an iPad, Bella's got a Mac, you know, you've got your computers. And I was realizing I need to keep them all updated. And so what I did was, is we had a a day where I was, everybody had to come to see me. So I sat at the kitchen table and I went through their stuff and I looked at, you know, is it, is everything up to date? Um, is, I'm gonna look at my list of, of, uh, things that, that I was part of it. You didn't do mine. I did not do yours yet. Um, I actually really do need yours. Is the emergency contact info correct? Right. Which I still need to get like their blood type and health condition stuff in there. Uh, uh-huh. for those of them who have phones, it's not that like they carry these with them out. But eventually they will, they will all have phones, regular phones as they grow up, you know, when they go out on their own and this stuff will go with it. So it should be like Bella's phone should have this stuff, but also like our phone numbers. And uh, I always put your mom as the third contact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I checked to make sure that the find my is working. I, I decided to add this thing like a low power alert because they're constantly losing their phones when there's no battery. And so they can't find them. We can't do find my. So now I've set it so that when the battery goes below 15%, it sends me a text. Uh-huh. And then I can go tell them, go find your phone and plug it in. Um, I made sure the backups were working and every, all the apps were up to date. And then I talked to them about the importance of passcodes and passwords and how to keep your devices secure and that sort of thing. So that was... That was good. I'll talk a lot more about that on secrets of tech uh, on an upcoming episode, but um, I did that with everybody except you. We still need to do yours. I mean, you don't need to talk on all this stuff. I, I think I know by now, you know, most of it, there's still a few things we should go over. Um, so I did that. And then the other thing I did was I took Anthony and Lucy and we went to Lowe's because you had, well, we, we came up with this idea together. I think to Anthony's needs something to do. He's a, he's a boy who just his hand when his hands are idle it's you know the, the the idle hands of the devil's playground
1: he he's very uh he's got a very curious mind and he has a lot of energy and he's kind of hyperactive and easily bored and very easily bored and when
0: he gets bored he gets into trouble starts dismantling things and that sort of stuff so we came up with this idea to buy him a bunch of pioneering supplies. Pioneering is a specific thing in scouts. It's basically ropes and pulleys and poles, like, you know, uh, things to build stuff with. Um, and I was looking to get wooden poles. They didn't have any at Lowe's. I don't know where, I need to go to a lumberyard. But um, but we got a bunch of different sizes of rope, you know, thin rope, thick rope, and some pulleys. And... I'm trying to give him ideas, like to go build things in the backyard. I want him to build a trebuchet. I don't care. Like, we'll, we'll launch an assault on the neighbors yeah, <laughs> or something, you know, but, you know, give him something to do, build things, really make it in um, some, give him some activities, keep him busy. Um, and then the create and a creative outlet. Because, yes, because he is a very
1: creative person. But he doesn't necessarily always know what to do with his creativity.
0: I think he could be like an engineer someday. I really do. I mean, I think he's got that sort of mind where he wants to understand right, how things he work. He reminds
1: me very much of my Uncle Jim, who was a uh, construction engineer.
0: Right, right. He just, he loves to, to, to take things apart to figure out how they work, he, which just drives me crazy sometimes.
1: Built canals and oil pipelines and all sorts of cool stuff.
0: Your Uncle Jim. Uncle Jim. Yeah. yeah. Then the... But the other thing we got, too, is, is this was at the suggestion of our, our friend Zena was um, you bought him a new fidget. Yeah, when when Zena came to your mom's wake, um, she had a really
1: cool fidget cube. And uh, especially when Anthony has to sit still, like when we're doing schoolwork, when he's reading. When we're out of wake. <laughs> when we're out of wake. And he has a hard time sitting still and paying attention if he doesn't have something for his hands to do. And... So I he he really liked this fidget cube, so I, I I bought him one.
0: Yeah, it's get like each side has a little like a, a cookie thing, a spinny thing. You know, it's all these different things that it does. It's like a busy box, really. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of uh, funny. It's a busy box that fits in your pocket for yeah. you to fidget with. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So yeah, so hopefully those will give give him some help him with some of the that nervous energy and that all you know that extra energy. So the other thing that. um that I was doing was so I've been saying the rosary every morning, um, before getting my day started, uh, for Lent. That was my, my big Lent resolution. And, uh, cause I, I'm not a, I'm not a, I haven't been a regular rosary player, prayer. Um, I'm a rosary player. No rosary prayer. Um, we say the divine office was a family every night. We say the night right. prayer together. And, you know, so that's really been my prayer. Uh, really, but I, I, I wanted to get back into the rosary. And so I've been doing that. And the kids have noticed I haven't made a big deal out of it, but the kids have noticed. And just on Friday, Ben came in and he asked if he could. I was like, oh, but, buddy, I'm about to save my rosary. So, you know, if you can uh, close the door anyway. I was like, can I stay and pray it with you? I'm like, no, it's my time. Of course I said yes. <laughs> so we actually had to, he couldn't find his rosary. So we had to uh, borrow his sister's, scare up uh, that one which just came in the mail recently. It was a, um, one of those freebies from one of these religious charities trying to guilt you into giving money by, like, you know, we gave you a rosary, now give us some money. Uh, you know, what kind of awful person receives this beautiful religious gift and doesn't, you know, give us money back for it? We're going to lose money on you. It's <laughs> a little... I should, I should do that with SQPN. What should I send people? Anyway... So we, uh-huh. we found the rosary, and uh, so we said the rosary together, which was really nice. Although I have to say, the rosary is messing me up with the glory Bee. Why does the glory Bee have to be different between
1: the divine office and the rosary?
0: Yes, because yeah. the because the rosary is um, world without end. Amen. How's it As go? it was
1: in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. World without it ever end.
0: shall be world without end. Right, and then the divine office is just will ever, will ever, ever will.
1: Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
0: Yes. See, <laughs> it still messes me up. I cannot keep them straight. It's like the two different creeds, you know? It's just like, can we just have one? Why do we have to have two? Anyway. So um, that's what I've been up to. And you've been, you just had a week of of appointments. Yeah,
1: there was appointment every day except Thursday, I think. And
0: it was tiring. Dentist various doctors, just everything. Some telehealth, but at least one at the, like you can't telehealth dentistry. You can't telehealth dentistry. Not yet. Unfortunately. I mean, they could, like we could telehealth in and Sabrina, the hygienist could uh, walk me through it. Yeah, no, that ain't (laughs) happening. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, yeah. so this week should be quieter. I don't think I have any appointments this week Uh, and Bella's doing exams, so that should be fun.
0: Yeah, exams in March, so. Well, she, so she's on a trimester, like, system. Oh, okay. So there's three. Three pe- exam periods. Three
1: exam periods. Gotcha. Three. They're not quarter. I want to say three quarters, but that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Um, There's three periods. Three semesters. Semester doesn't work either, because sem- semester comes from semi, which means, like, half. <laughs> anyway. Um, I
0: thought it was hemester. Sorry. Yes.
1: There's three periods and we just finished one. uh uh-huh. This last week and so now she's doing exams this cool this coming week. She's been taking what Japanese history is her one of her yeah, online classes? She, yeah, her her online uh what do you call it? Homeschool Connections elective elective, elective. This elective semester is uh history of Japan uh with Mr. Campbell on Homeschool Connections and she's loving it. Um she was actually doing for geography this year she's doing oceania and pacific islands and australia and antarctica so history of japan really fitted nicely there mm-hmm. um and then she's been doing 20th century history so i had her reading um paul uh father paul glenn's book about takashi nagai and his book about um oh it's called smile of a Ragpicker and i cannot remember the the woman's name she's um I think a servant of God or maybe venerable. Anyway, she's on her way to canonization too. So she's been doing a lot of like Japanese culture and history. Cool. We're really deep diving into that. I was about to
0: that age when I was really into Japanese. I was I was about 13 when I read Shogun because that was on TV, the miniseries. And I read the book. A little young for that. Now, in retrospect, I wouldn't give it to a 13 year old. Um, there's stuff in that that's not appropriate. But um, massive book. But I really got into, I mean, when Shogun in the early 1980, I think it was, it came out. Um, it was, it really, Japanese culture hit America in a big way. And uh, I was really into it. Uh samurai and the, just the, the you know, the, all the Japanese stuff. So it was really cool. Um, so I'm glad she's doing that. So, uh, so that's what we've been doing. Let's talk about stuff we've been eating and making. Uh, you made French onion soup. Yeah, yeah, another of
1: those things where one of my Facebook friends shared a recipe and I was like, ooh, that looks good. I need to make it. So um, how'd it go? Um, It was fun to make, but I ran into a couple of hiccups. One, I was following Alton Brown's recipe more or less with some, you know.
0: Modifications modifications. and inputs from other recipes like you usually Um,
1: do. Yeah. But he, so he uses the electric skillet to caramelize your onions. Mm-hmm. And I like that idea, but our electric skillet, which we bought for this express purpose of about a decade ago or more, <laughs> um, has been sitting on the shelf unused since the last time.
0: We've used it like three times ever in the last yeah. decade. Yeah.
1: And it was very dusty. And when I got it plugged in and I started cooking the onions in it, it had a distinct
0: burn dust smell.
1: Yeah. And I was a little afraid that it was going to taint the soup, and I'm not 100% sure it didn't kind of throw the the flavor of the soup off a Mm. little bit. Um, So that was one hiccup. Yeah. And then the other was, the
0: soup was just too sweet. So I was thinking about that. Alden Brown's recipe, he's the one who has the cider. That he has you add cider, um, so let me let me pull it up here. French onion soup, Alton Brown recipe, and it
1: has cider and wine. And I think that the combination of both wine and cider, plus some of this was my fault because I was doubling the recipe, but I didn't actually wasn't able to double the onions because I only so many. F- onions fit into the skillet but i wanted to have more soup so i doubled the liquids but the onions were only like maybe oh. one and a third times as much so that might
0: also have thrown it off a little oh bit. i think it did yeah i mean i was gonna say oh it's because he has um he doesn't he has doesn't have the sweet onions he uses the yellow onions but no he puts the sweet onions he does oh um so there was a th- there was like three two different recipes that you were going from one is simply recipes.com. And then there was a Cooks Illustrated, and then there was the Alton Brown. Yeah, I was I was bouncing all over the place. I mean that that can work, but sometimes it gets you into trouble. It does. Sometimes. I w- I might have left out the cider because it yeah, it really was too sweet. I'm I'm not sure we needed the cider at all in on that one.
1: No, I mean I kind of wanted. I I was intrigued by the idea of the apple notes in yeah. it, but maybe I should have done it with just like. Quarter cup of cider or
0: something, just a little bit of right instead of ten ounces. Yeah, but it was good. I mean, i I had leftovers today. I enjoyed it. But you're right; it wasn't as strong oniony as uh, because it was like not enough onion and and, uh, more liquid. Right. I mean, that's the trick with scaling it up.
1: I mean, I could have just caramelized the onions in the enamel Dutch oven, I suppose. That might have worked.
0: Yeah. Well, that's usually how you would do it. Yeah. He has you to use the electric skillet because it's a um, steady heat. It's a a much more regulated heat. And I
1: liked that. I liked that aspect of it. Like it was very easy to caramelize the onions in the electric skillet. The temperature stayed very steady. They didn't burn. I liked that part of it. It was just not big enough to double the recipe. Right. That amount of onions. Right.
0: But um, worth trying again at some point. We did the uh, got a baguette, sliced it. Um, did so you know how you usually have the crouton with the cheese on it. So his recipe and I think another one, instead of the usual thing is you put it in an oven-safe crock and then you put the whole thing under the broiler and then it melts the cheese and all over it. But I don't. We didn't. I don't think our crocks are oven-safe. I'm not willing they're, to risk it. They're
1: definitely not oven-safe.
0: Yeah. So. Uh some of the recipes have you, you you take the bread, you put some uh you slice it, you put uh olive oil on it, you toast it on one side, take it out, flip it, put, pile the cheese on, put it back under, and that came out really well. It did. I like that. That was good. Um so uh yeah, I would totally do this again. I'll put uh the links to the um Alton Brown one and the Simply Recipes one in the show notes. The the Cook's Country, America's Test Kitchen one. It's a compl- it, it's their best french onion soup. It's the most complex recipe. So, I'm not sure it's the um I'm not sure it's the best one to, to start with. <laughs> put it It's that not way. an easy one. No. So, that was the french onion soup. So, I got it in my head um to make bagels because my niece made bagels and my sister put pictures of her with her bagels on uh, on Facebook and my niece is what, 10? 11, 12, something like that. 13, I think. Sure. I can never keep track of the seven of them or eight of them. So I don't have eight. I can have a harder time with mine. Um, so and I'm like, wow, how hard? That can't be that hard. So I looked up a bunch of recipes. I'm like, it is not that hard to make bagels. And so and we go through a lot of bagels every week. We, we buy uh, bagels because the girls have bagels for breakfast every day. Bella and Sophie and the, the other kids like them, too. So and I, I love a bagel you know, whatever I can. So I'm like, all right, here we go. So I, I, I got some bagels and this, I mostly followed this time. I followed this one recipe from sophisticatedgourmet.com, and it's only it's got a handful of ingredients, uh, active dry yeast, sugar, water, bread, flour, and salt. That's very simple. Very simple. So you basically, you know, you you mix the yeast and water. You make you let that develop. Then you mix it together with the flour. You know, the flour and the salt you mix together. Then you you mix in the wa- the yeast and then you add some more water. And uh, I use the the stand mixer, and you just knead it in the stand mixer, and then um, put it in a bowl. Let it rest in a warm place for an hour till it doubles, p- and then punch it down. Divide it into eight pieces. I doubled the recipe, so you divide it to 16. And then you shape each piece into a round, like a little dough ball. And um, you let that sit for... uh, Oh, no. Once it's formed, then you push a hole through it to make the shape, the bagel shape. And then you let them sit for 10 minutes. Then you have a pot of water that's boiling. And you put them in the water... You, for a minute on each side, this is a very distinctive part of making a bagel because that this is what makes the distinctive bagel chewy exterior. Like the in, interior is soft, while the exterior is chewy. Right. Uh, it it glutenize it, it. what is it? Glutenizes the starches. I think is, what, is how they put it. But it it uh, alters the starches on the exterior to make this um, distinctive um, texture the bagel texture. So then you do that and then into an oven for 20, 25 minutes. Um, at this point, this is when you add any toppings. So I, half of them, I did sesame seed because that's what the girls like a sesame bagels, And, um, and then in the oven for 20 to 25 minutes, I had to go a little longer. I had two trays. And so there wasn't quite browning as much as I wanted. Also
1: our oven g- generally when you're doing baked goods.
0: Yeah. Often needs another
1: five or 10 minutes extra.
0: Yeah. Uh, so it went really well. I mean, like I think they came out pretty good. The kids seem to
1: like them. I, I only ate like a little tiny bite because I made fish cakes for lunch and I was still very full from fish cakes.
0: Yes. Yep. But, uh,
1: but what I tra- what I tasted was good and I'm looking forward to having one tomorrow.
0: Yes. One of the things that um, they, they mention in the recipe is that uh, bagels often have malted barley syrup. That's one of the common ingredients that you'll get like in, in deli bagels, like in, in bakery bagels is malted barley syrup. They add a particular flavor. Um, and so they suggest you could add it to it if you had some. It's just they didn't put it in the recipe because it's not a common ingredient. But like everything else that you could in the, in the world, it's available, mail order from Amazon. I, I checked King Arthur baking; they didn't have it on their website. That's which is, interesting. Yeah, it's I wouldn't have weird. expected
1: them to have that.
0: Yeah, that's what I was. I was going to buy it from them because I'm trying not to, you know, make Jeff Bezos the sole source of all things in life. But uh, that's become difficult. Um, so I'll, I'm going to. It was so simple. I think, you know, I made biscuits last week. I made the bagels this week. I kind of want to keep making these easy things. All the carbs. All the carbs. Yorkshire puddings, biscuits, bagels. Uh-huh. Beets and Battlestar Galactica. No. Um I th- I like biscuits are so easy to make. Biscuits are easy. Yeah. And you and mean. I just bought some um self rising flour to, to replenish our supply too, to make it even easier. So um yeah, bagels. Try it out. <laughs> really. It's so easy. It it it's amazing. We we spend Every week, like a sleeve of, what, four bagels is five bucks. That's because we buy the really nice we ones. We buy the good ones. The Pan Vignon bagels are the best. Uh, But they're like five bucks. Now, they're bigger than the bagels I made. I would have right. to make our bagels bigger. <clears throat> like the girls eat a half bagel for breakfast, not a whole bagel. Because they're huge. Right. But, you know, if I get good at it, I could get to a point where I don't have to I was doing some of the math on how much it costs to make the bagels and it is cheaper. It's not it's like tons cheaper. I mean, this, you have to buy the, the flour and the yeast and that sort of thing. And the flour was like, it's like seven something for a five pound bag. Yeah. But how many, how many, how many, I use about half a bag. So you you can get, I, my guess is you can get 32 bagels out of that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Almost three dozen bagels. So, Cool. All right, so yeah, that's what we've been cooking. So let's talk about things we've been watching. Uh, we're still working on the same books. I don't think either of us have finished any books. Um,
1: yeah, I'm Wild Orchid and
0: History of the Island and... Um, books you've talked about in recent weeks. Yeah,
1: I, I do not even remember
0: what I'm reading. <laughs> and I'm still working on Six Frigates, which is a history of the founding of the U.S. Navy, which is so far really good. I'm really enjoying it. Uh so what did I finish? Uh, I I watched the I finished this first season of the new Disney Plus series Willow. This is the um sequel series to the 1980s movie uh starring Warwick Davis and um Val Kilmer. I'd mentioned before after I'd watched the first one or two episodes that it was like I was kind of like mm. it's it was it's kind of cheesy. It's the sort of fantasy story where Everybody sort of talks like in a modern idiom, and they have modern pop music playing uh uh-huh. you know in in at the end and at different points in it um There are a couple of woke elements you know they have to have the obligatory relationship between two people of the same you know all that sort of thing um but I did come to realization like. Why? Why do I find the American accents and the ma- modern idiom so so weird? It's because there's a fantasy movie trope, which is in fantasy movies, everyone speaks with a proper British accent, an old fashioned British accent without contractions. But
1: partly that's because during the Middle Ages there weren't people speaking English in America. During the right, I mean, one reason why we think of Britain, when we think of
0: medieval, is because it's in English. (laughs) Yeah, like we're thinking Robin Hood, Robin Hood, and we're thinking Robin Hood movies, and we're thinking of uh, you know the Errol Flynn and all of the old you know the movies that were originally made. Did Uh, Errol Flynn do a British accent? I'm pretty sure he did. I don't. I don't think he did. It was a proper accent. You know,
1: it was. It was a very. It was sort of American, um, there was a, it's not received pronunciation because that's British, but there yeah. was, a, there was a sort of standard American educated movie and TV and radio
0: a, accent. I and think I, it's a there's kind there's of f- proper Connecticut accent.
1: There's a, there's a name for it and I can't remember the name offhand, yeah. but like. Catherine Hepburn and Audrey Hepburn, and
0: <laughs> I'm not sure it, Catherine Hepburn is the best example, but no, no, she didn't. I mean Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn. Um, yeah.
1: But there's a, there's a certain American. It, it, it doesn't sound like a regional American accent. It's sort of a cleaned up Pan American accent. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, I, yeah. Uh, anyone who's watched old movies knows what you're talking about. Um, yeah, that's true. So, but they use, you know, just American idiom. Like Game of Thrones, they had all of the you know the British accents and all that sort of stuff, all the various accents of various kinds uh this is so it's not even just the accent, but it's also the way they talked. It was very idiomatic, but i you know I suppose that's fine um it's of course it really focused on the young people. This is a show aimed at Gen Z, not Gen X, although Willow was our movie <laughs> belongs to us that seems yeah. Interesting. It's it saddens me that Val Kilmer what couldn't make this, you know, wasn't available to be Mad Mardigan in it again because uh-huh. he was such a huge part of what made the original Willow fun, right? Um, so his presence is there in the background throughout, and they have a lot of the original actors who show up, um, and it's fun. And there's this other act, the character called Borman who's there who act I I really kind of liked him. He was fun. Um, so it was okay. Um, it was it was pretty good. It it got better by the end. I have to say, the last couple episodes were were enjoyable. I did like that, and I really really like the actress who was Enfys Nest in in Han Solo and was in Winter Soldier. Um, oh yeah, what's her name? She was Carly in Winter Soldier. Yeah, she's just so I don't know. There's something about
1: her she's, that she's very magnetic. On right, like she's got a really great presence.
0: And she's a very good actress. But right. but there's something about her that's very well I like her appealing. look too. Like yeah. she has um she's like freckled red hair, but she's also um Right, she's clearly mixed race yes. and has very interesting features. I'm actually looking up right now to so make sure I have her name. Um I mean there's a lot of young, beautiful people in it. I mean that's just the way stuff is. Yeah. Uh, so her name is Erin Kellyman. Yeah, she's good. There's like a bunch of Star Wars people in this because so Warwick Davis was um uh, Wicket in the Ewok in Return of the Jedi. Uh-huh. Uh Erin Kellyman was Enfys Nest in Han Solo. Junis Suatomo was in this. Who? It, Chewbacca. The new Chewbacca. Um he played this scary makeup cl- covered character so you, you didn't recognize them at all you know but um so it's kind of fun so i watched willow and then um i watched a movie last night the 2012 alien prequel called prometheus i don't think i've heard of that yeah um co-written by damon lindelof actually interesting and of the lost lost fame and he so it was and it was a ridley scott movie and so it's a prequel. It's it's there are two there's there's two of these movies, this and then the following one called Alien Covenant, which came out in 2017. And they tell the story of like how where did these aliens come from? You know, the the whole, that whole thing. So the story is it starts with these two archaeologists, anthropologists, it's unclear, on the Isle of Skye in Scotland, who make this discovery. And what they've done is they've gone around the world and they've discovered all of these ancient civilizations all had these common images of this giant, this larger than human people uh, pointing at this star formation in the sky. And this star formation only appears from Earth, this one place in the sky. And these these, these uh, images were recorded as old as 35,000 years up to like 2,000 something years ago. And it's this only one place in the sky. And it's so far away that no one on earth could see with the, with the naked eye. So it was impossible for the ancient peoples to have seen it with their own eyes. And so what they've deduced somehow is that these aliens were like the ancient gods who came to earth Uh or who were perceived as gods, but they, these aliens had come to earth, interacted with people and left this invitation when we could someday to go find them. And so this takes place like at the end of this century, right? A hundred years from now. So. We th- there's this expedition financed by the Whalen Corporation, which is the same company that's in the Alien movies, to take them there and to find these people. And then, so a little bit of spoilers. It's a ten year old movie, so you know, spoilers. Um, they they get there. The problem is the movie's a bit confused. There isn't they they spin out all these threads and they don't tie them all off. There's a lot of questions that arise and a lot of questionable things that happen like why is that happening why does that why are they doing that what is why is that that way like i don't know i'm just like there's all this action and it's good action it's kind of it's it's you know sci-fi horror and the usual thing that you get from alien movies but i'm like why is that happening it was it was kind of unsatisfying it's got a great cast it's got charlie sterron idris elba um yeah knew me. Rapace, I, Rapace, I don't know how to pronounce him. Um, Benedict Wong is in it. He's fun. Wow. He's always fun. And so, I mean, this has this huge cast and, oh, and um, Michael Fassbender as the Android guy, because the alien always has the Android guys. Um. So, yeah, but it was, it was unsatisfying because at the end of it, I'm like, well, like, I don't understand why that happened. And, why the aliens did this, and there was a there was a couple of interesting themes. One was this: the main character, this anthropologist, she's a person of faith. She had a she's always wearing this cross. She wears a cross, and it comes up like these are the these are the creators of man. And it's like, so I guess you're not going to have to wear your cross anymore. She says, "Why? Well, now that we know that you know God didn't make us, but these aliens did," and then and she says. Yeah, but who made them, you know? <laughs> right. And so there's this, this theme of, you know, meeting your maker and you know, the beginnings, but they don't tie it off. Now, maybe that's because of the next movie, The Alien Covenant is going to be the, the, you know, to explore more of that. But there's other aspects of it that just were like, like at one point we we discover that this is not the alien's home world. In fact, they surmise it's a kind of alien military base, Full of weapons of mass destruction, which is what the aliens are. So the, the alien giants look like us, but the alien creatures that attack us uh-huh. are are some kind of bioweapon, turns out. And they were deliberately trying to attack us, or they was Yes, they, they were going to use this bioweapon on us until it got loose and attacked them. Like they had a, a, a weapons um accident and <clears> killed and okay. killed all of them but it's like but why like and and they they say well, why did you why did you want to kill us off after all you had done to create us why were you going to kill us off and it's like we never know we, we that question never gets answered that's really unsatisfying um, yeah <laughs> and there's a couple other things like that in this where it's like well, what but why why is that like you you raise this why did that person do that i don't understand like all of these character moments from like i don't understand why these characters are doing this um or why this this element in the environment so anyway would i am i sad i watched it no i really it was good sci-fi the special effects were cool um you know the action and the through line was you know of, of what was happened was kind of interesting but it was unsatisfying in in the end i uh, still i'll watch the next movie and see if it kind of fixes anything but i'm afraid it won't because I met the reviews said it, this was the better of the two movies. Oops. So we'll see. Uh, but you saw a movie that you liked. I did. Uh,
1: Friday night, I, a friend of mine had recommended a whole bunch of feel-good but aren't crappy movies <laughs> like because because often feel good
0: quality movies quality movies yes well
1: but but like she kind of had a point like that she was trying to make which is that a lot of times the movies which are wholesome and don't have objectionable elements are also just not very well made and the stories oh, yeah. kind of stink and that sort of thing and so she had a list of movies that were both feel good and wholesome but also just well made and good stories uh, so. Th- the first of the ones I wanted to see was called the map of tiny, perfect things.
0: This is an Amazon original movie. It's an
1: Amazon original movie. And it's very much a sort of family movie that's sort of aimed at teens. The two protagonists are teens and it's a movie sort of like groundhog day. A boy wakes up and he's repeating the same day over and over and over over again, again. just like Bill Murray and groundhog day. Um, every 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 night at midnight it resets and no matter what he is he he
0: he wakes up again in his bed wakes up
1: in his bed and it's morning and his mom is leaving for work and it the movie starts in the middle of things unlike Groundhog Day it starts after he's been clearly in the loop for a long time and we see him go through a day where he's got everything like he he knows the rhythm of things and he can like pick the catch the coffee cup that his sister knocks off the table and solve his dad's crossword puzzle and all the the clever things that he can do. Um, And then one day he finds out that there's another person who is also clearly living living the same day over and over again. And she doesn't really want to have a whole lot to do with him at first. And he's kind of baffled by that. And so he sets out to kind of woo her at first just, hey, pay attention to me. I don't want to be alone here. I don't know. I don't want somebody else who can help me figure out why this is happening. Um, And at one point, they decide, they they each decide to start showing each other the cool things that they found, like moments of beauty, moments of synchronicity where things just line up perfectly. So she shows him a, a hawk catching a fish. In a lake, and they know exactly what time these things can happen. So they can, like, come on, come on, we're almost there. It's almost time. It's almost happening. And then, boom, there's that like perfect, beautiful moment. And so they start to do a map of all these tiny, perfect things in the hopes that maybe if they collect enough of them, it will somehow give them an answer or get them out of the loop. And unlike Groundhog Day, there's just a lot more positive wholesomeness to this movie <laughs> like they're not neither one of them is a horrible person like bill murray is
0: at the beginning at of the it. beginning of round anyway, day yeah
1: and right there was nothing like the most these two characters do is 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 kiss <laughs> like one nice right. chaste, perfect kiss and i really liked that like it did not feel a need to sensationalize them to have them be exploitive horrible people. It's just really a sweet movie, a sweet movie. It had some dark, darker themes to it and death comes into it. And, and there's that. So it's not just like, a, it's not fluff.
0: Right. We're like groundhog day was a comedy. It was a dark comedy at times, but it was a straight up comedy.
1: This is more, I would say romantic comedy. Okay. Um, if if I had to, it, kind of felt like actually Groundhog Day maybe uh, crossed with Fifty First Dates, the Adam Sandler movie,
0: which we still have to do a whole episode on,
1: right? Um, in in that sort of, but, but this was a lot more wholesome than Fifty First Dates. Like Fifty First Dates is a movie I wouldn't show the kids because there's well the main storyline is sweet.
0: It's Adam Sandler. It's Adam Sandler,
1: <laughs> and he just gets gross. Yeah. There's like I kind of almost wanted to make my own. Edited version of Fifty First Dates because I just want to cut out all the really gross bits. Yep. Where Adam Sandler just can't help being. Adam At
0: least Sandler. back then. Yeah. Yeah. I think he learned a little.
1: He he grew up a bit.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Um,
1: so this was this was like definitely two thumbs up. Very charming. You could watch it with your twelve-year-old uh, and your fifteen-year-old, and they would both probably enjoy it. Like, girls probably more than boys, even though the protagonist is a boy and. Um,
0: but it is a rom- romantic comedy.
1: It's a romantic comedy. I mean, our our sons would probably go, yeah, that was okay. Yeah, <laughs> it it doesn't have nearly enough action and adventure.
0: Not enough explody. No,
1: no, no explody. Although at one point he does drive a big front end loader like down the streets of town and crashing into cars and stuff. So that there is a little bit of fun.
0: That's cool explody,
1: and they they wreck a house. Um,
0: because no consequences.
1: Right. But but I like the fact that in a world with no consequences, like the worst thing that they do is find a real realtor's show house and just trash it, knowing that right. it doesn't have any well, consequences.
0: I mean, that was the theme in Groundhog Day was is if, you, if you lived in a world with no consequences, like at first he's like, no consequences, I can do everything. And it's ultimately unsatisfying and empty. And so he, in a, in a similar way, he decides to, do good, even though that also doesn't have long-term consequences. He helps people and, you know, and finds beauty, even though it's ephemeral. It's going to, it'll reset tomorrow. As far as he knows, it'll never stop resetting. Right.
1: And this movie kind of touches on some of that. Like both of the characters have seen Groundhog Day. So there's sort of a, an element in which they're kind of mimicking Groundhog Day, both in terms of the we can eat all the ice cream we want, no consequences sort of element of things, and also the maybe we should be doing good for others. Right. And I think that they are both kind of consciously and maybe even subconsciously pulling on Groundhog Day from that. But it's not just a Groundhog Day remake. Yes. Because there's other stuff going on in terms of relationships.
0: Do we ever get an explanation for why they're looping?
1: Yes, we do. Okay. And it was a satisfying explanation. And I really liked the way they attempted to give it kind of a, a science-y, physicsy, mathy sort of component to it.
0: Right. It's, um, I mean, I could picture a movie like this just ending without telling you why.
1: No, in fact, I thought that the resolution to this movie was how they got out of the time loop was incredibly emotionally satisfying. It tied into the main theme of the movie in the same way that Groundhog did. Um, but in a way that was
0: its own thing, right, good that sounds good so the last thing we want to talk about is the last of us ah I guess the last oh, yes. the last uh you know entertainment related thing uh so this this is the show you and I have been watching together that stars Pedro Pascal and um the girl. Who plays Ellie? I don't remember her, the actress's name. Um, that is uh, the sort of zombie. Bella Ramsey is her name, which is a great name. Um, it's sort of as you know, a, a post-apocalyptic zombie sort of uh, show. It's it's a, it's a uh, weekly show. So the latest episode was very interesting to me because in a lot of these post-apocalyptic stories, you get religious groups you know when what happens when the apocalypse comes for people who are you have religions that 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 prophesy a, an apocalypse well what do you do now and so in this episode there was one of this this group of christians and it starts with this guy who's apparently a preacher preaching about you know how god gives to those who have faith in him god provides god will provide and you hear that a lot and what's interesting is, from their point of view, uh, Joel and Ellie, Joel, you know, our, our heroes, our main characters, are the bad guys because of something that happened. Right. And it starts with this question, like, and you always have this question, are they real Christians or are they going to be Hollywood hypocrites? <laughs> you know what I mean? Are they, are they really Christian or are they just, you know, fake Christians? And um I you know, I'm not gonna I don't want to give it away necessarily if you haven't watched it yet. No spoilers. No spoilers. But um I felt like it was still kind of satisfying the the way yeah. that they did it. Um Ellie has to really step up and be an um her own uh agent, agent of her own action.
1: Yeah. The, the, the right, they're definitely playing with it the the, the girl who saves herself. She'd-
0: she doesn't have to be rescued.
1: She's... Right. And she's, she's a very satisfying character.
0: She's not... Um- she's a little bit of a trope of the hardened, grown-up-too-fast uh, teenager... You know what I mean? There's a little bit of that in there. But for good reason. I mean... Well, you're living in a post-apocalyptic world. Any
1: teenager who's managed to survive in a post-apocalyptic world and continues to survive through this long, harrowing cross-country journey would have to have... You'd have to be hardened and... Grown up. Grown up, I think what's interesting about it is in the first episode, we see Pedro Pascal's daughter and... who who doesn't make it. It's kind of spoilery, but. It's
0: in the first half hour of the Um, first episode.
1: And he spends so much time in that first episode shielding her eyes, trying to protect her innocence. And he doesn't, he does that a little bit with Ellie. He does kind of say, a girl your age shouldn't, ought to be doing this he doesn't want to give her a gun he doesn't want her so he has this sort of protective fatherliness Mm -hmm. about him and yet i think there's a little bit of a by the time we meet him like he meets ellie he's been living in this world for 20 years he's a little bit more hard he's a little bit less protective he's a little bit more accepting of the fact that she's seen and done things that no kid her age should have seen and done right and i i I like how they're exploring that aspect of, of both characters. Ellie, Ellie has to go through stuff that I would not want my, my daughters to go through. But that's believable that anybody who lives through that, that kind of horror would, you know, even kids in, in war zones today, they're, they're gonna, yeah. They're going to see things that you don't want them to see. They're going to have experiences that are traumatic. And I feel like they do a good job in this show of showing what should be traumatizing is traumatizing. They don't minimize the horror of how bad it is. Like they don't say, oh, it's nothing. Like she does these horrible things and, and she's fine. She's not fine. Right. And that, I think, is, is the bedrock level of realism of the show that I appreciate is everything is not OK. Having
0: to, yeah, having to bring, you know, as a as a teenager, having to bring violence, justified or not, you know, self-defense or not, it's going to hurt you. It's going to change you. It's going to affect you. And yeah, it, it's, it's interesting to see how the characters grow. They have grown. Um, this is like the ninth episode, really? Is that? Wow. There's only yeah. so. There's only one more episode in this season next week. I'm I'm gonna be sad for the season to be over. Yeah, me too. It's been it's it's really good. We'll see when the next one comes. Three years, two <laughs> years, a year, who knows? These days, right? Um, but it's been really great. And and um, two episodes. Well, not I want. I, I can't say that. Uh, they have episodes where the zombies don't show up, so there's no gross zombies. It's right. Still, I, I appreciate
1: really, uh, I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. I don't really like zombies, so it's not all about zombie body horror. This it it's it's about people. In a, what happens when you bring people to the edge of apocalypse and civilization? And you know what are people? How are people like? What are people? What do people do? How do they react? And I'm not sure that the like the producers they may may or may not be um, have the same mindset of well people will. The best of people will rise up. I'm not sure they're saying that. Yeah, if there's one, if there's one, I'm not even sure it's a critique. But this show's worldview
1: is definitely, at least as far as we've seen, pessimistic. Yes. I am not as pessimistic a person as the people writing this show. But at the same time, I think it's a valid point of view in that it is a human point of view and it is a human experience this level of darkness, yeah, it's not how I would write the show, but I don't think that they should be writing it. I'm not just saying that, that they should be writing it differently it's not a it's an observation more than a criticism,
0: sure, sure, um and we'll you know and I reserve judgment till they see the how it's complete well, yes, yeah, um so
1: yeah, last of us I also wanted to mention just really quick okay. that this week's episode of The Bad batch was amazing
0: for a animated show that's purportedly aimed at kids there are depths to that show this this one was one of the really deep character driven
1: episodes and it was so good wow i mean well written
0: very well written um
1: it just it it took you on a journey it took one of the one of the characters on a journey that was really so
0: good and kudos to d bradley baker who does all of the voices of all the clones and when there's multiple clones in an episode he's doing them all it's amazing yeah it's a pretty amazing that he does that huh.
1: and then i also wanted to just give a shout out to this week's episode of the mandalorian of which Pedro again <laughs> no but again really good storytelling yeah this that episode went fast again it went to lots of different Lots of places. Lots of places. They didn't slow down for anything. Lots of action, and yet some really profound character moments mm-hmm. for for Din Djarin, for Grogu, and for Bo Katan. Yeah, um, and, and and getting to some of the the deep uh, <laughs> myth building. Deep, deep myth building.
0: <laughs> There's a pun there,
1: <laughs> um, and, and a payoff on something that that was teased in the first season. Yeah, which I'm really loving the way. They've built up the layers, and you can see where th- there were things in the very first season that were deliberately um Planted. foreshadowing
0: yeah, foreshad-
1: yeah foreshadowing where the plot's going like so right. this is not just a oh well that that season worked really well, so let's write another season, and what can we crazy thing can we do now like it's clear that there has been there's a
0: vision and a plan.
1: Yeah. A, a, an overall arc and a plan where this is this show is going somewhere. It's very purposeful, and right. I, I love that kind of storytelling.
0: There's a rumor that this week's episode is going to be an hour long. I can believe it. <laughs> it's go it's going somewhere.
1: Yeah,
0: I love it. No, there's no fluff in this show. It really isn't. No. Yeah, and which is interesting.
1: And I, it's it's still astounding to me how they can make that little Goku puppet into a person whose destiny you just really care about. Oh, yeah. It's not just he's not just cute. He's also.
0: He's a compelling character.
1: Yeah, he's a very compelling child character in a way, kind of like Ellie in The Last of Us. He's a child who's been set adrift in a hostile and harsh.
0: Traumatized by violence.
1: Universe. Right. A, A galaxy which is not kind to him and which has not treated him well and I have a theory about Grogu that, and I think this is, this is not just a theory. I think
0: there's evidence. um, Yeah,
1: There's good evidence. He's not wordless because he's a baby. He is wordless because he is deeply traumatized. And this is more selective mutism than Mm. a baby who can't talk. Right. Like, I think that the reason he can't talk is because of his trauma, not because he's an infant. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I can see that. That's 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 my personal okay. take on Grogu.
0: All right, so that's a lot of stuff that we've been uh, in being uh, watching, and so uh, let's move on to talk about this week's homily and mass. Uh, if you remember, the readings for this week included the gospel of the for the third Sunday of Lent was the gospel for the woman at the well, and our our homilist, Father Matt, our pastor, was there, which was excellent because I always enjoy Father Matt's homilies. I really feel like. Father Matt should be a bishop, because he's really got as a as a teacher, like the the bishop's office of to teach, I think he's has a rare ability to cut through the 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 baloney, <laughs> I something else, and right, get right to the heart uh-huh. of the gospel and uh in his homilies are always very good. And so this week, talking about the woman at the well, and he mentions he mentioned first water. You find water throughout Scripture. It's it's of course you know you find water at the beginning of the creation in Genesis. It, you know the waters were separated, the Red Sea. You know Moses parting the Red Sea. The uh, the the Israelites passing through. You know the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Noah and the Ark. Water is important, and water is both a precious resource, but it can also kill. I mean that's the mm-hmm. you know it's dangerous, but also Absolutely necessary. And this is not unusual for a desert society. Like <laughs> people who live in the desert, they know this. Water is important. And then he also mentions that the, the gospel story also contains very important elements of light and dark. So the, you know, that you have light and dark, um, the dark side of the force, the light side. No. And he, uh-huh. he talks about the gospel. It says that Jesus encounters a woman at the well at noontime which is simultaneously both the brightest time of the day when the most light is shed, right? So it's symbolic of light being shed, but it's also the hottest time of the day. It's the it's the least comfortable time of the day. It's the most dangerous time of the day, uh, you know, again, in a desert. And so why would this woman be there in the middle of the day? And it's just kind of a clue to her situation, which is that she's an outcast in her society that no that none of the other women want to be with her the, you know the other the other women all go to the well in the cool of the morning and they catch up and they have community she's an outcast she's alone she goes at noon and Jesus sees Caesar there and um and the, he also said father said wells are important in the bible they're important places in the old testament you have, you have all these stories of men meeting their wives at wells at, you know the, all the patriarchs you know Moses and the Sheik of Midian's daughter, or it's like the Sheik of the Midian. I think there should be like a, uh, um, a chain of rest stops and gas stations somewhere in the Middle East called Sheik of the Midian. Uh-huh. Anyway, so he, <laughs> Moses met his wife there. You know, uh, you mentioned um, Rebecca. Rebecca. And, you know, so wells are important places and they meet their wives. And so Jesus meets this woman at the well. And he was saying that the some of the church fathers, I think maybe even Augustine, said that this is a foreshadowing. Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman is Jesus, the bridegroom, meeting his bride, the church. And she represents the church. And Jesus meeting her there, which is really interesting. And the apostles are shocked. Jesus is talking to a woman alone. This just wasn't done. A, a, a single man didn't talk to an unrelated single woman alone without chaperone or anything like that. It was it was highly improper. On top of it, she's a Samaritan, and he's drinking out of her cup. Like it's unclean. This is doubly shocking. I mean they're they are scandalized. So, um, and then Father talked about how. Um, According to Thomas Aquinas, we are motivated by four things. People in general are motivated by power, money, love, or honor. Those are, you know, or some combination of those things. Power, money, love, and honor. Those are the people's main motivations. And none of those things are wrong in and of themselves. It's when they become idols, when they replace God, or when they become more important than people, you know, when we, when we chase them. And the woman has also been chasing something. Um, she's had five husbands. She's, as Father put it, she's had five paths to for her own fulfillment, and each of those paths have failed. She's she's started again, and Jesus is telling her, "I am your fulfillment. I'm the final path. You know, He's the final quote unquote husband for her, and he, you know, at this point, He tells her, you know. She's been gathering water and that's symbolic of her chasing after what her, what she perceives to be her needs. I need water. And he says, I have water to give you and the water I have is better. And he, but he tells, tells her, give me some of what you've been gathering, your water, and I will give you my water, like exchanging. And this is what Jesus does for us. You know, you offer up what you have and and i will give you what i have and what i got is better
1: <laughs> it also strikes me that it's an echo of the israelites in the desert like when they're thirsty and right. god provides the first reading. right yeah. god provides water so that um you know aaron or moses strikes the rock and the water flows and st paul says that jesus is the rock who follows the Israelites through the desert. So here's Jesus, mm-hmm. the rock, providing providing the water.
0: Right. He for, is that rock at Meribah and Masa that where the water flows out from. I love the fact that like, why did you make us leave Egypt? Did you did you make us leave just so to kill us all here? Okay, easy. Right. Calm down. <laughs> it's like the cranky kids, you know? I'm dying. Look, look, God's got it and even Moses is like god hello a little more of this and they're going to stone me to death like hello um and god provides and so jesus provides and in the end like he the uh, father said the woman's chase is over she's done running after things um he she sets her jar aside it says in the gospel she puts it down you know her quest trying to provide for herself. She's done doing that. He has given her the water that satisfies.
1: Just like the Israelites in the desert. The, ideally, they should stop trying to find water themselves, stop complaining and just trust that God will provide what they need.
0: Right. Like with the um, quail and the... Manna. Um, manna. Manna. Ugh. Word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she sets her jar aside. And what does she do? She goes back to give to everyone else what she's received. She's now going back to evangelize. She's bringing Jesus to them, um, figuratively and literally. Her chase is over. Her search for whatever it is that will fulfill is over. She's finally found it. And now she goes back. And this woman who's an outcast is so convincing that people follow her back to the well to, to meet Jesus. And they listen to Jesus. That I mean, that shows you how convincing she, that this must have been, her her conversion, her change.
1: I met a man who told me everything I've done.
0: I love that line. I met a man who told me everything I've done, which he did. You know, I mean, you, you look at it, you go, well, did he? <laughs> but only the important things, the key. And what the Father mentioned, made me clear, Jesus wasn't shaming her when he says, you know, you're right to say that you have no husband and that the man you're with now isn't your husband. He's not shaming her. He's telling her, like, I know, I know. You've been looking. Your search is over. You know, this is, I, I understand you. I know who you are. So you can listen to me. You can trust me. He really is not like the others. <laughs> right? <laughs> when he says that, he, he he's telling the truth. So. Um, You said you heard something about uh, her from an Orthodox point of view?
1: Oh, yeah. So in the Orthodox and in Byzantine Catholic Church, uh, the woman at the well has a name and she's a saint. She's Saint Fotini. That's P-H-O-T-I-N-I.
0: Not Fotina? No, Fotini. Patron saint of jawas
1: Fotini! Which I think means... Oh, shoot, I can't remember the, the name of the meaning of the Greek. Um, Lights something. Yeah. But so I. I love a lot of the Eastern tradition gives names to these people who just appear and are nameless in the New Testament. Um, like the name of the uh, one of the mirror, bear, mirror bearers. Um, and I can't remember it now. Um they're all given names.
0: Right. The Orthodox love to give everybody names.
1: And uh, and so I really love St. Fotini, who is an apostle. She receives the word. She receives Christ. And then she goes and evangelizes immediately. Like she doesn't have time. She doesn't take time to, to learn, to study. She receives and then she automatically wants to tell everyone. And they all come to Jesus because of her. What an right. amazing gift! That's her. what the outcast yeah. suddenly becomes the evangelist.
0: That's what Father Father Matt said too. Is is like she's not going to she's not using convincing arguments to change people's hearts and minds. She's it's her witness of her her joy, her faith, the the change in her in her in who she is that brings people.
1: Yep. So it makes sense that she's yeah. a saint. Yep. Can't get more saintly
0: than bringing people to Jesus. So I think that should do it for us this time. Uh, As we wrap up, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create Raising the Bets, including Brian B., J. Michael T., Uh, I don't think it's John Michael Tabit, J. Michael T, Sam M, Oliver T, and William N. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue raising the bets and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And that's it for this time. Find links from our discussion in our show notes at sqpn.com slash bets. That's B-E-T-T-S. Send your feedback at the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media. send us an email at bets at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. Write a review at Apple Podcasts and share the podcast with your friends to help us grow our community and reach more listeners. Until next time, I'm Dom Bettinelli. And I'm Helene Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to Raising the Bets on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Star Wars. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash star wars.